Today's Old Testament reading comes from Genesis chapter 6, verses 9 to 22, and can be found on page 8 of the Pure Bibles. This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked faithfully with God. Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become, for all the people on earth had corrupted their ways. So God said to Noah, I am going to put an end to all the people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I am surely going to destroy both them and the earth. So make yourself an ark of cypress wood. Make rooms in it and coat it with pitch inside and out. This is how you are to build it. The ark is to be 300 cubits long, 50 cubits wide, and 30 cubits high. Make a roof for it, leaving below the roof an opening one cubit high all around. Put a door in the side of the ark and make lower, middle, and upper decks. I am going to bring floodwaters on the earth to destroy all life under the heavens, every creature that has the breath of life in it, Everything on earth will perish, but I will establish my covenant with you, and you will enter the ark, you and your sons, and your wife, and your sons' wives with you. You are to bring into the ark two of all living creatures, male and female, to keep them alive with you, two of every kind of bird, of every kind of animal, and of every kind of creature that moves along the ground will come to you to be kept alive. You are to take every kind of food that is to be eaten and store it away as food for you and for them. Noah did everything just as God commanded him. This is the word of the Lord. Today's New Testament readings come from Hebrews chapter 11, verses 6 to 7, and Matthew chapter 24, verses 36 to 39. The Hebrews reading can be found on page 1,209 of the Pew Bibles. And without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. The Matthew reading can be found on page 994 of the Pew Bibles. But about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, everyone, or good afternoon. We are thankful that each one has been able to come today. And also, again, greet all of you who are joining us on Zoom. And we would encourage you, as 
opportunity works out, either you're back from your trip or health or whatever, and you're able to join with us in person, we'd love to see you here. Good to fellowship together. Now this morning I want to continue with our series of sermons about foundations and what that literally is, is taking the account of different men and persons in the Old Testament and looking at that record as well as then how God has revealed himself to them and how God has shown who he is in these records and why this is important is one, it is in the Bible, but then secondly, because many of these records are referred to in the New Testament. And even as our New Testament reading today is, they are usually just a phrase, or at the most, one sentence. Therefore, whoever is speaking expects, or writing, expects that we already are totally aware of this historical moment, or this person's life, or the record that is in the Old Testament. And therefore, it becomes very foundational because not only are they used as an example, but in some cases, they are used as the reasoning for certain doctrines or truths in the New Testament, and therefore become very real and pertinent to our faith and the way we walk and follow God in 19, or excuse me, 2023. And this is a long sermon that I need to make short, which for me is excruciating and difficult. Therefore, I ask you to pray with me as we begin. Father, it is very true that there is so much here. There are many truths. In these few moments, Lord, we're going to need to grapple with why in the world did God bring to an end life. We're going to need to grapple with how bad is sin. We're going to need to grapple with what is an ark that saves us. We're going to need to look at, Lord, those truths in the New Testament about faith that's a holy reverence or fear. And Lord, how then does that apply to our lives? And Lord, the reality is, therefore we need you and your presence. And we ask that your Holy Spirit speak to our minds and our hearts. Reveal yourself, but also show us how these truths are true for us as well. In Jesus' name, amen. So this morning we are looking at the account of Noah. Remember last week we spoke and studied together the account of Adam and Eve. Those who were created, Adam from the dust of the earth, and breathed into him an eternal lasting soul. This combination of dust, flesh, and eternal. A human being created in the image of God with the capacity to worship and most of all, to have relationship with God as no other being. And 
Then we look briefly in chapter 3 of Genesis about the temptation that led to sin. And let me just interrupt my sermon by saying there is a switch to this light here. I have not realized that for weeks, every time I go into the this and that, I tend to turn it off. (laughs) And should I do that today, could some of you be so kind as to wave at me in some way that I realize I've done it? Um, And I apologize for having done it previously almost every week. But how is that connected? You see, in Genesis 3, this sin fall, this moment where we humans created in the image of God and given a will that we can demonstrate and use and think and choose, chose not God, but self. And in that moment that they chose self, they walked away from God and where God had said, you cannot, you shall not eat of that lest you die, death enters in. And how does humanity then live under this? Where now they are no longer in control or under God unless they willfully surrender their lives to Him. And at this point, we're going to look at today where from chapter 3 on into chapter 6, 7, and 8, there comes this moment when the judgment of God comes and all life that is not in the ark is destroyed. And so the reality is, as we look at it, it's a very important account in the Old Testament. And we're going to need to ask ourselves the question, why? It begs to be asked, and it demands to be answered. You see, in 2022, we have a God who is love. He accepts, and that is absolutely true, He accepts me exactly as He has found me. He does not wait for me to improve, or for us to change, or us to be better. He has accepted us exactly as we are, as we come to Him. But at the same time, he loves us too much to leave us where he has found us. And so he enters into us as we are born again. And he places his spirit within us where our our hearts cry out to him, Abba, Father. And his spirit cries out, Abba, Father, to us, claiming us and adopting us into the family of God. And so here we must ask that question, you see, because there is this God who is holy and this God who is love. But both are truths revealing God to us in the Scripture. And the only way for us to go forward is we don't neglect this, but we hold firm to this and we hold firm to this and we walk forward with God in true Christian balance. Now, Why and what? Well, as we look into that, the context, of course, are in the verses just prior that we read. And let me just read to you, well, even as we look in these verses, in verse 11, it says there, the earth was corrupt in God's sight. The earth was filled with violence or corruption. And God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, 
And then it gives us the reason why all of the earth was corrupt. For all flesh, humans had corrupted their, all their ways on the earth. And then if you look back into the context of the verses prior to that, the Lord, and there for a very unique moment, in the book of Genesis, the word Lord, if you're in your English version, will be spelled in capitals, meaning Jehovah. Jehovah means the I am who I am, but it also means the personal God who makes a, an individual covenant with you and me, with us as individuals. This relationship, which has not been revealed until we come to moments like this, when all of a sudden the Bible wants us to focus upon, now this is not just a God who's abstract, who's sitting upon his throne in heaven, and all of a sudden takes out his discipline upon the earth. No, this is a personal God who is totally involved in that. And look at what it says about him. And the Lord regretted or grieved that he had made man on the earth. Remember, grieving is, comes from the very seat of our emotions. And the Hebrews and the Greeks who have written many of these things realize the center of our emotion is not our heart, as we in the Western world tend to like to think. They said, that's the place we make our choices. But they said the grieving comes from the very center of our being. In the Old Testament, in ancient English, it says, God loves us from his bowels. I'm always waiting for someone to come up to me and say, I love you from the depth of my bowels. <laughs> I don't know if that would do a lot for my wife and my relationship if I use that phrase. But you see, it's true in the sense that when you lose a, D, a person in your family or you have go through tragedy, where do we hurt? Where do we feel it? Here, in the very center. And this is what it's saying about God regretted, God grieved. You see, for these verses show us not just the almightiness of God, not just the authority of God. Yes, it shows us his power. It shows us that he is in control. But it also wants to reveal to us the very heart, the very bowels of God. This was not a decision just taken simply. And God regretted or God grieved. And it goes on and it repeats that again in that same verse 6. It says, and God grieved, or others, and you'll say, and God's heart was full of pain. Not only did he grieve, the very heart of God was pain. And then it goes on in verse 7 and talks about how he was sorry. You see, God was fully, deeply, emotionally, involved in this moment but then it says but then Noah and so you have this context and you have Noah who is pointed out to us now let's look as our scripture reading today began with verse 9 and these are the account of Noah or the generations of Noah and it gives us four things about Noah it says in that situation 
in that world which was corrupt and corrupting itself even to the point where God was grieved deeply, where God had pain in his heart, where God was sorry. That situation and in that world, look at these four characteristics of Noah which are pointed out to us. Noah was a righteous man. It shows us that even in a world that is moving fully away from God, there are those who can be righteous. And of course, this righteousness is the same word that later will be translated justified, meaning that God had put him in, in a situation where God held him, that he was forgiven, that he was no longer guilty before God. He was a righteous person. And then it goes on even further and says, not only was he righteous, he was blameless among those people within that community in which he lived. I don't think it's saying he was perfect, but people understood here is a man living a godly life. And it tells us very clearly that it's not just something that cognitively we think or believe. It gets into our heart and expresses itself in the way we live. He was blameless in his community or generation. And then thirdly, it says not only was he righteous and blameless, it says he walked with God. I sometimes, as I was reading this, think, what would it look like today if all of us, it was evidently clear in the way we live our lives, our conversation, in all that we do, that we were walking with God. It really means that God directed his life and amazing truth about him. And then, of course, fourth was that he was a father, he was a family person, he had three sons. And what we're going to find is those, as you read the rest of this account, is those three sons work with him and complete this project together. So not only was he a righteous man, not only was he a blameless person, not only was he a person walking with God, but he had influenced, he had moved his family to the point where his family served God with him in a corrupt world. Well, the account of Noah is something that is very relevant for 2023. And so then we look at that and we see, but, and then we've read to you about how the earth in verses 11 through 13, the word that's repeated again and again and again is how it is corrupted. And then that corruption has come because the hearts of mankind thought only about evil. Mankind had corrupted his environment. And then we go on, and the answer in that, though, comes from in that corrupt setting, is that then God turns to Noah, and he says to Noah, Noah, I'm going to do this, but as for you. And he explains to him this project that he has of building an ark. Let me just say, if you're querying the whole account here. We don't have time to look at it this morning, but I would appreciate if you and your research just go to like creation research project. Used to be in Santee, California, which is not far from where my wife was raised, another suburb in San Diego. We visited several times. It's now since moved to Dallas, Texas. They have amazing 
research on this whole project. I myself had one of my missionary friends who was on one of the hikes or climbs that was supposed to go up Ararat. Just, if you have questions, search that, please. And then come and let's have some talk, coffee together. But this morning, let's just look at what the scriptures say. And as it moves on, he gave him this specific project. But what he's saying is, this is going to end up in destruction. But as for you, and then he had him build this ark. And then at the end of those verses 12, 11, excuse me, 13, 14, 15, and through 17, he gives this description. And he says, and I will bring a flood and water upon the earth, destroy all. And he says, but as for you, in verse 18, I will establish a covenant with you. And you will come into the ark, your sons, your wife, your, and your, the wives of your son, and every living thing of all flesh. And so he gives him these instructions. And out of those instructions, let's take at least this. There is a destruction coming. And to escape that destruction, not by being just whisked away, and escape from the destruction, but to escape through the destruction, through the judgment of God, there is this ark. And part of the covenant for Noah, for his sons, for their wives, and Noah's wife, and these life forms that move with him, is he says, you then get into the ark and take with you those and those who get into the ark, I will save. And of course, the Lord Jesus in the scripture read to us in Matthew 24, when his disciples tell us, tell us about the end of time. How will we know? What will happen? Remember, it was read to us in Matthew 24, and he comes to that illustration where he takes this moment. And he says, there was this moment when he entered into the ark. And he said, It'll be like that in the day when Jesus comes again. People will be living life in every sense and form that they can. But the question is, does one enter the ark or not? Those who live enter the ark. And of course, for us within Christianity, that ark in our world is Jesus Christ. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Listen to the rest of the verse. No one moves from here to here. No one comes to the Father but through me. And so, now, then it says at the end of the passage we read in chapter 6, Noah did this, he did all that the Lord commanded him, and that was a huge task. But how in the world did he do this? Well, I want us then to look at these verses that were read to us from Hebrews. It's one of the other portions of the New Testament that refers back to this. And the very first thing it's found, of course, in Hebrews chapter 11, which is the faith chapter of the New Testament. It defines faith. It gives two different uh, definitions, and not different, but in continuing definitions of faith. And then it also shows how that faith was reality in these persons' lives. 
Here in verse 6, it says, the second kind of definition, description of faith, it says, without faith it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. You see, in the beginning it says, now faith is the substance of things hope, or of the eternal, assurance of things hoped for, and the witness of the unseen. In other words, faith shows us it comes, it's true, but it's also in the eternal God. And just before it introduces the account of Noah, it gives this description of we must believe that he exists and that he rewards or that he fulfills, he does that which he has promised. Then listen to verse 7 as it describes Noah. By faith, this type of faith, Noah being warned of God concerning events yet unseen. In other words, God told him, God warned him about something that had never yet happened. How good are we at listening to warnings? Particularly in our spiritual life. You know, I find that it's much easier to read passages of Scripture which talk to us about when God says, do this, this is a blessing, this is encouraging, and we need to read those and realize the hope and grace and mercy of God. But there are moments in life when God also gives warnings. He does not give warnings because he is uh, just almighty. He gives warnings because he loves us from his heart, from the very depth of who he is the very seat of emotion of God. And being warned, it says, then Noah, this next phrase almost moved me to tears as I prepared. Actually, with a bit we read in Genesis 6 about God having pain in his heart, about God grieving, about the very sorrow in God. I must admit, as I read that, I had a worship song on the background, and never before have I, I just, I, I wept. And I just said, oh God, I'm so sorry that we as humanity cause pain in your heart, cause you to grieve, cause you to have this incredible sorrow when you'd created us from dust and eternal that we could worship you. And have this relationship as sons and daughters of God. And this also moved me very deeply. As it says in your Bibles. And having then, how does it describe it? Reverent or holy fear. And I guess I would just like to ask us the question this morning. Our love for God. Are there moments when our love for God could be described as holy fear? Now that's not being afraid. That is moving forward with God in such a sense that we know he loves us, we know he has promised, and we trust him with all worship. And that's the way it describes the faith of Noah with holy or reverent fear. But then, look, probably the most blessed part of this, he says, he prepared this ark, which had two results. Well, three results, actually. 
as in verse, the rest of verse 7. The first result is it saved his household. So the idea of obeying God and having this sense of faith, which is a holy fear, a reverent fear, not being afraid, but realizing God is God and I am his servant. God is God and I am his child. And serving him in that manner and therefore obeying and doing that which he is asking. He says in that he saved himself. He didn't earn his salvation because he had to obey. There was a moment after the ark was constructed when he had to enter. And that's like if we went to church all of our life but had never experienced the reality of God saving us of God forgiving us and God working in our lives. That would be like standing on the outside of the ark and saying, well, I think it's more comfortable here than there. Anyway, then he saved it. And I would just say to you that living like Noah, having a righteous life, living in a blameless manner, walking with God, and raising our families like that, you know what happens is the great joy of Noah, I am certain, was not only did God take him, but Noah was able to lead his family, his sons and his daughter-in-laws and his wife into the ark with him. And God's covenant, God's promise with him, if they're in the ark, I will save them. But then the challenging part of this verse comes in the next phrase. He saved his family, but he also condemned the world. Really, when it comes down to the entry of the whatever the ark or the re- salvation through Jesus Christ, there is only a here outside and a here inside. And just by the very fact that he obeyed and understood and trusted God and entered in, there were that in that sense, he condemned them not in the fact that he was judgmental, not that he was harsh, not that he was saying, oh, you terrible people. No, no, no. But the very act of believing and trusting and following God meant the others also were put into that place where they too needed to make a choice. He condemned the world, it says. But then the last phrase, he became an heir. He inherited a righteousness that comes by faith. In other words, this faith, he believed that God exists. But he also believed that God came into life, answered his promises, and God fulfilled what he had said he would do, and he trusted him. An amazing record of Noah as recorded for us in the New Testament. Now, what does that mean and why is it important? Well, the truth of a coming end. The book of Revelation. You started, I think I mentioned several times, I find it very helpful. It's lovely to read from the beginning to the end of Revelation, but sometimes try reading from the end to the beginning. And what that does, it gives us then, this happens at the end, but this happens before, and then this happens before. But what we know is there is an end coming. We've never experienced anything like it. And so in that sense, we are in a very similar setting spiritually 
as Noah was there physically. And just as to Noah, the covenant of God was to get into the ark, and it will take you through this judgment, so too for us it's very relevant. But in this, studying Noah is, if anything, going to challenge or develop our concept of who God is, that he's almighty, but he's also love. And because he is both, he has prepared for you and me a way that equivalent of an ark that saves us for eternity. And the question isn't why didn't he just save all? The fact is he made an ark. And if you read on in Genesis, one of the most moving moments is after everyone gets in the ark, it says that God left the door open for one week. Anyone who wanted to, anyone who believed, anyone who said, I think it's true, could have entered. And God did not ask Noah to shut the door, no. Noah had to build, Noah had to do this, and Noah had to make the step of faith to enter, but the door was shut by God himself. And so, it's an amazing account. And we go on and ask that, well, why, and all of those things. Those are questions that we must ask, but remember, it is an almighty, holy God who's also a God full of love who feels so deeply. You see, because I find that, to me, Genesis 6, verse 8, which we kind of jumped over as we came through the introductory verse, talks about the corruptness and the coming of the flood, the coming of the judgment of God, and then in the middle of that says, but Noah found favor or grace in the eyes of God. No matter what our world is in 2023, and there are concerns, where it's going, what's going to happen. There are many, maybe several of us sitting here today who are wondering spiritually, where am I? The great thing about this is, although that is true and there is an end coming, what Noah's story says, but Noah found grace, found favor in the eyes of God. God saw him, God worked with him, God came to him, God spoke to him and said, do this, Noah, I am warning you, but do and enter in. And he did. And then it's not only that, but God's covenant with Noah. He said, you, if you enter in and everyone you take with you, I will save. Isn't that amazing? Kind of reminds us of Matthew 28, isn't it? Go into all the world. Preach the gospel to every living creature. Baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey all that I have taught you. And I am with you to the end of the world. It's an amazing truth. It's, it is an example, but it's also a happening. And then he became an heir of righteousness through faith. That moment where his faith and what he believed was true became true for him when he was inside and all of the things that he went through as he experienced that. To me, the great moment would have been, of course, when God shut the door and it began to rain. Can you imagine the heart of Noah? I'm sure he grieved for his friends. But there was this moment when all of a sudden this awesomeness of God that God has 
let me have favor in his sight, grace. And he has prepared this for me, and here I am. You see, Noah's God is our God. And that to me is very encouraging. I would just say to each one of you today, that while we breathe, God, we have favor and grace in the eyes of God. And respond to the Lord as he does that. You see, because Noah in that world was righteous. He was blameless. He actually walked with God. And he raised his family in that world. What an amazing God we have. And I would just close, and I would be amiss if I didn't use this. The account of Noah tells us that God made an ark. And everyone who entered was saved. And I must just ask you the question this morning. Is there anyone among us who has never spiritually entered a relationship with Jesus Christ that takes us from this world to eternity? If you haven't or unaware of that, or if your relationship has gotten kind of dull, out of order, I'm going to pray and I'd ask you to just open your hearts and pray to the Lord and ask him to restore all of that. Thank you, Lord, for Noah. Thank you for the account that is here in the book of Genesis. Thank you as well for the amazing truths about you being almighty and holy, and yet your love, your deep love. And we thank you this morning that we live at this moment. And Lord, because we are alive, we know that you, you have shown us grace and mercy. And Lord, I pray for each one of us today that we would experience both that holiness but also that grace and love of God and that our lives would be like Noah. We would be righteous in relationship with you. We would be blameless in the sense that we live out what we say we know is true. And Lord, we would walk with you your Bible tells us that you want to come and live, to dwell, to pitch your tent in our hearts. We ask you to do that. And then, Lord, we pray for our families, our kids, our grandkids, those extended friends. May you also work in their lives. In Jesus' name, amen.